Turn with me in the Word to Psalms um, chapter 35, verse 27. I'm just going to read you three scriptures that prove, and I know our church believes this already, that prove a, um, God's heart toward us in prospering us. And there's, like I said, you could, there's so many. There's like so many scriptures that God goes overboard about finances and prosperity, okay? Because he wants us to get it, amen? And you only get it by opening yourself up to that supernatural flow. He's not asking you to do your finances in the natural. There is a natural part to life, but that's not your source. That's right. The spirit is your source. Okay. That's your wealthy place. And if you're so mental about it, um, which we all are, we all start there. And I would say we stay there for a while before we begin to touch the things of the spirit regarding finances. Listen, I went to um, France with Brother Jerry Savelle. And that man never stopped giving the whole time I was there. Now, I, at this point, had known that God would, you know, say something to us. We would sow. Um, we would feel like, okay, it's a new year. We're going we're gonna to up this, or we're going to do this, or we're going to do that. But when I got to see him, I, I was shocked at his giving. It's like he didn't move unless he gave. I, I don't think I've seen it that high. Pastor Nancy's high, but she does some of her things more privately. But this was a trip. This was, not a, this was not preaching. This was just, you know, the person taking your suitcase, the person, you know, who smiled at you. I'm not joking. This man lives to give. It, it, yeah, it was a wow. It was a wow. And it was so um, beautiful to watch the flow. That's what I love the most. I thought, you can live like that? You can live? Because they came from nothing, too. Right? They came from nothing too. But they, they give when they don't have to give. They give when there's no prompting to give. They just give. And I thought, I said to Craig, I want to live like that. And so I want to think like that because it all comes out of his thinking and the spiritual revelation that he has. Because if, if you don't have that spiritual revelation and your thinking is small or low and you haven't allowed God to stretch you, you can't do that. It's, you can't. You can't. You won't. Because you can't. The courage is not there. The joy is not there. But as you go, as God leads you, he wants you to get there. Amen? So anyway, um, Psalms 35, 27. Let those who favor my righteous cause. Well, we got a lot of righteous causes going around this place. And the Lord has his kingdom. So there's no lack of righteous causes. And have pleasure in my uprightness. Shout for joy and be glad and say. Do you see the joy here? Do you see the mood here? Shout for joy and be glad and say continually, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So he's settled it in one verse. There are so many, but in one verse he's told you with hilarious joy surrounding your giving that he wants you blessed. He takes pleasure in your prosperity. So you can settle it. You never have to think, does he want this for me? If you're thinking that, I'm telling you, the only thing you're dealing with is he's dealing with you in the smallness where you live. Yes. Yes. And he wants you out of that smallness. Psalms 105, 37. 105, 37. The Lord brought his people out of Egypt loaded. I like that word. Loaded. Loaded. Loaded with silver and gold. And not one among the tribes of Israel even stumbled. Why did he put this in the word? Because he's showing that when they came out of their poverty, they were loaded with silver and gold. Why? Because the hand of God moved 
and punished and judged the, the land of Egypt for holding on to his people and not letting them go. And it was payback time. They got back pay. They did. They, he could have marched them out. They didn't need to take all the silver and the gold. By the time they left Egypt, Egypt was destroyed. They didn't have to be. But you don't, you don't hold God's people in captivity. You don't hold them in captivity. And God said, you go. He broke down all the will of, can you imagine the pride? How they had to swallow their pride, the greatest nation on the earth at that time. And their riches and their gold. And they're used to being the ones that are the upper. How dare those slaves? The ones that they looked down on and considered nothing? And now they're, they're letting them come in their homes and they're letting them take everything. Do you know how broken they were when the ten plagues were done and they saw the hand of the Almighty God? They were humbled by God. But it says that God exalted the ones he was taking out. He's taken you and me out of slavery. If you're born again, you have been transferred from slavery. You have. Well, I don't see it. Well, there's a renewing of the mind and, a, and an obeying. The doing of the word that will take you out of it. And there's so many inner workings in us that God has to snip and untie and loose from us. But we've we got to be willing. We have to be willing, right? Psalms 112, 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. How joyful are those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying his commands. That's very important to God because delight comes out of the heart. It comes out of the heart. It hits the mind, but it comes out of the heart. Their children will be successful everywhere. Amen. Yeah. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. They themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. Now try to stack a religious spirit against that. You're going to have trouble finding reason not to prosper if you look at the Word of God. Amen. And it's important that that's all we look at is the Word of God. And when that Word bubbles up on the inside of us and instructs us, that's all we listen to is the Word of God. Because He is our wealthy place. Amen. The Bible says He made us something. Amen. What people stumble over is they say, well, but I don't see it. Well, you understand everything God gave you, He's now going to educate you in your spirit, man, how to cooperate with Him. He's going to take you from glory to glory if you'll move with him. Yes. If you mire yourself in the mental and only what you can see, you're not going on that journey with him. He can't take you because you won't listen to the laws of the kingdom. If you'll listen to the laws of the kingdom, you can give yourself out of poverty. You can give yourself into a wealthy place. You can. But if you are suspicious of the pastor, if you are suspicious of the word, but you want to go forward with God, but you're feeling all kinds of fear, then you're, you have to let the word wash you. Amen. You have to let that word come in and demolish yes. those things that are keeping you poor. And that's what they're doing. Amen. They're built to keep you with not enough. And they're very good at it. Yes. Those reasonings. The lack of action, yeah. the fear, looking around your life and not seeing others. Yeah. You know what you see in the word. But there, there are those. Listen, just because only a few people will do it doesn't mean that in our generation that we won't all do it in this place. 
you know, I want all of God's body to do it, but I'm concerned about this place. I'm concerned about promise of like this mantle, your lives, your individual lives, because you make up the collective and God's very invested in your prosperity. Very invested. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about some of the prosperity, uh, killers, hindrances. And I've got, I've got a couple of these, and then I want to talk about the other part, the, the laws of God's kingdom that take you into the prosperity that you have been, it's been bought and paid for for you. Amen. We didn't say it's overnight, but in every season there should be prosperity. Yes. You might not get into the millions overnight, but in every season there's something, because you're, if you're standing with God, even if the devil is trying to stop it, and you're refusing to fear. You're just doing the word. There is something that is increasing in that season. Every season holds prosperity. I watch Pastor Nancy. Every season I've known her. Listen, this is when, when doctor went home and a $6 million bill landed in her lap and she didn't have a dime to pay for it. Well, that's not prosperity. Well, she came out of it and exceeded, exceeded, exceeded. And God paid it all for her. Amen gave her strategy. Yes. See, prosperity is not just me giving you $100 or you giving me $100. It's the strategy. Yes. It's going into a battle knowing that he's made you rich. So therefore he's made you rich. All you need to do is hear from him, be led by him and do whatever he tells you to do. He will give you money. Sometimes it's all the money. He might give you $10,000 and you go do that. Other times it's favor. Other times it's strategy to do it this way. And if you didn't do it that way, you wouldn't get in. But it's like he opens up a little hole and he goes, go through, go through. And you do these things that you shouldn't be able to do, but they're totally effective because you're completely um, set with him and knowing his heart and knowing not that thought should never come up before you. Will he pay for it? Will he get me out of this? Will I crash and burn? Will, um, okay, I'll give you an example. If we don't have this right now, we don't have this, but if something were to threaten us uh, in terms of our gathering, maybe, maybe the building was being revoked. It's not. But maybe if something were to come up, when you know God, that is, that is an afterthought to you. It's all about you turn to the Lord. Yes. Well, Lord, I know what you've made us. No one can just come in and march in and take things. Right. So what's the plan? Yes. Yes. And what I have found that is if you will just look to the Lord, whatever is opposing you, if you will do the right things by the Spirit, whatever tried to oppose you will make you larger. That's, right. That's not a motivational speech. There are people that are destroyed every day because things oppose them, including Christians. I'm talking about when the Spirit of God guides you and directs you, you never have to worry about something coming in and taking from you. Because if something is being released from you, he's got a plan for something much bigger. Because he walks with you. And if he's with you, he's not interested in allowing you defeat because you're one with him. You're one with him. So as you're walking and you're one with him, you're used to his voice, you're used to operating with him, you're seeing miracles at different seasons in your life to get you into things. You don't separate yourself from him when a struggle comes at all. It's just another, I'll turn to him. What are you saying, Lord? And the Lord did this beautifully with Pastor Nancy. She shares different things, but how she got into things. You know, that castle that she's in, God put her into that. They were not interested in selling. 
God put her into that castle. There's things that you can never get with money. You need the full span of prosperity. It's not cash. It includes cash, but it is, it is a flow of the spirit. It is a flow of the spirit. And one of the things that takes us out of that flow is covetousness. But I want to unwrap covetousness today because I think we think we all know what it is. We kind of have a broad or a general idea about what covetousness is. And I want to warn you, uh, don't disagree today with what's being said because the devil, there's a religious spirit that does not want you in a wealthy place. And if you allow covetousness, even in its more subtle forms, to come in and take root in your heart, you will be robbed. And never forget, God takes nothing from you. His whole agenda with you is getting something to you that you could never get and setting you in a place that you could never be set. So let's look at 1 John 2, 15 to 16. 1 John 2, 15 to 16. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. That does not mean you don't totally enjoy certain things, many things. I know I do, but I don't love them. I don't live for them. They are added to me as I go, but they are not my focus. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If anyone loves them, you can't love them both. One will reign. One will take first place. And if you let the love of the world and things of the world go first place, now you've mired yourself in the mental arena. Only what you can see, only what you can bring to the table, you're going to have to live there and you will not experience the prosperity that comes from heaven. You can't. It's impossible. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The most prosperous people that I know are people like Pastor Nancy. There are people more wealthy than her, but when I look into her life and I see the way that she's led and I see what she's believing for and I see the progression, when I look at Brother Jerry Savell, when I see that, the effortlessness, not banging away the hours, you know, 13, 14 hours a day, you know, workaholic kind of behavior, that is not prosperity. You can get cash like that. You can buy goods like that, but goods have a tarnish to them very quickly. Even if we're grateful, they get old very quickly to us. They get old to us, right? So as long as we're in the world, we're going to have to deal, and some of us more than others, with the attraction of the things of the world that pull on us. Now, if you have sold your whole life into materialism, you just love things, you, you live for things, you, your focus is all about things. Listen, God's already told my husband and I, he told us when we moved into the house we've got, which is a nice house, uh, that there's a Jerusalem house for the Jerusalem season. Yes. I thought that was so awesome, but I don't really think about it much. And I'll tell you why. Because it's not first place. And even the house that I have, which is nice, it's a nice house. No one's going to take it from me because God gave it to me, but it kind of becomes meaningless after a while. Now, let me explain that. I don't mean I'm grateful. I don't mean that I'm not grateful. I stand there and I thank the Lord regularly for the things that he's given me, and I'm grateful for it, but that's it. That's it. It doesn't, I don't have a big, 
I love vision boards. I'm pro vision, big pro vision board. Seriously, person, vision, keep it before you. Because what are we talking about? Because you say, well, pastor, you say one thing and then you say another th thing, like the house doesn't mean everything to you, but we're supposed to believe for things. And what are you trying to say? The heart, the heart, the heart cannot covet and love things so much that God comes behind. Listen, I, I mean, I have, I, have, I have some things that I think are nice, but I can tell, like, some people would just, like, they'd give anything to have that, and to me, it's, you're going to have it. Because, uh, first of all, I'm tapped into a supernatural flow, so I don't have to hold on to anything. There's nothing that I have that I wouldn't part with. Nothing. Because it doesn't come first. There's not a love. There's not a covet just, like, that makes my status. That makes who I am. That have you seen me drive this? It's meaningless. When you when you have fellowship with the one who owns it all, and you just settle it that he wants you to have it in time, in seasons, you go into it because you are responsible to show forth the blessing of Abraham. No matter what the world says, we don't care what they say. We don't take lessons from them. We prosper wherever we go and we don't apologize for it. So those things, it's like the people I know that are the freest with finances have the most because it has no place in their heart where everything is, but I have to get this. If something comes up and God wants you to do this, but you've got your heart set on this, do you know that he'll make sure you get this? But he wants you to obey him, whether it's maybe it's a season of sowing. The Lord told my husband and I last year, you don't keep anything last year. Last year's Jericho. You give it all. Remember Jericho? Don't touch the stuff. Don't touch the stuff, right? That's, that was their tithe unto the Lord of the land when they went in. Last year was that for us. God said, don't touch it. And so here we are putting in a pool. We're doing this, we're doing that. Now this is what I'm talking about. If I coveted something as pathetic as a pool or anything else, it's pathetic when it's held up to him. He is all, he is, <laughs> he's so beautiful. He doesn't take anything from you. He, want, he's, he lives and longs to get things to you, get things to you. And so he puts a minister and a church to, to teach you the truth Amen. so that nothing can rob from you what is yours. Amen. But he says to you, if you're covetous, if you sit your eyes and love the things of the world, you can't prosper God's way. You're going to stop the flow. And it's so pathetic when it's compared to the riches of heaven, that free flow of heaven. We're not to be covetous. We're not to value anything with great value. And that if he calls on you to give it. Listen, God, I'm going to tell you right now, God does not just give you things so you can give it away. Because that's a religious spirit. Oh, you know, I want this so I can fund this. I do, and I will. But God blessed Abraham first. And then he blessed everybody around him. Yes. He blessed Abraham. Why? Because Abraham had to be big enough to receive the blessing inside. Yes. When you're dealing with spiritual matters and increasing on the inside, you get blessed. Yes. And then when God tells you to do things, well, there's something in your hand. But if you've not allowed him to increase you on the inside, you're not going to have anything to give in the day when he wants you to be a part of some, a campaign of something big. Because the development is all inside, all inside. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 5, it says, If then you've been raised with Christ, and you have been raised 
with Christ. Allow him to raise you. That's good. Seek the things that are above. Why? Because they make the things of earth flow like a river. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your mind on things that are above. Why? Because it's just an eternal spring of living water. Of means. Of God's way of doing things. If God has you doing things, you cannot fail. You can't fail if God has you doing things. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. You're allowed all the riches of earth if you want them. You're allowed to have things. You are not allowed for things to have you. But you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Hidden. You become one with him. He puts you right inside of himself. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore. Stop the life out of, therefore. Put up with none of it, therefore. What is earthly in you. Sexual, listen what he lists it with. What covetousness is listed in this, in this list. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Yeah. It's put right there. It's not like idolatry. It is idolatry. We are really good at looking to India to see in the little idols. Or looking over here to seeing things that that's, that's an idol. Yeah. We're good at that. We can, we can see it. We can quantify it. We can look at it. We can't imagine doing it. Because our God is the unseen God and he's all-knowing. He's all omnipresent. He's the almighty one. So we look at these little things as what they are. And they're fallen angels, demons. Yes. That's what they are. Yes. And we know that. But... Covetousness is an idol. And you have to deal with it in your own heart. And I'll tell you what it does. It's the love of things more than the plan of God, more than the processes of God. And the devil would lie to you and tell you that God's trying to take something from you and all he's doing is trying to give because there's a harvest coming in whatever area. It's not just money. It's not just a harvest of money. It's a harvest of success and true prosperity. And it always includes money because you will go from glory to glory. Right? Look at the Apostle Paul. What would have happened if he coveted his Pharisee heritage? I mean, he lists his pedigree. He was high. It was something to be proud of. People respected him, respected his family, respected his training. I mean, who was the man about town when they were trying to kill the Christians? Who was the one they put in place to say, Paul will take care of it. Saul will take care of it. Right? There's a reason why he's in that position. He had the guts to grab Stephen's clothes and watch him be martyred. Didn't flinch, zealot to, a, to the nth degree. That's what a religious spirit will do. It will murder in the name of legalities. So he didn't understand some things and God had mercy on him because of the church. But if he had coveted that call, people covet possessions and positions. If he had dared, if he might have seen Christ, repented, not murdered another soul, but he did not have to go the journey what God showed him. He did not have to become that apostle. He could have just received Christ and been a disobedient Christian. But if he had coveted where he came from, what would we have lost? Well, I believe God would have picked somebody else. He would have had to. But I'm just saying, Paul's in, in the heavenlies today. and We'll talk to him when we get there. But look what he gained. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. 
The revelation that he embodied because Christ was speaking to him constantly to write those letters. But he would have ruined it all if he coveted. Listen, if you put people before God, that's an idol. That's actually coveting your family. People say, now, that's not what that means. That's not really what that means. That's, you're just trying to drive home a point. If you put things before God, it's covetousness. And it's a form of idolatry because that's what the word says. If you put family before God. If, now, what I don't mean you don't tend to your family. What I mean is if God is telling you, go to this church. This is just an example. Go to this church, but your family doesn't want to go. And you put them before. Or your family hates the gospel, or there's so many different scenarios. Well, you have a choice to make. And if anything goes before the Lord, you have bowed down to something in your life. And you have made it an idol because it's taken the place of God. It's taken the place of the Lord. And so he's talking about, in the verses before, he's talking about, don't be covetous because I've got to get you into something. And if you love, listen, if you love the things of the world, all you're going to do is want to get them. You're going to work. You're going to work extra jobs. You're, you dare not give because you won't have the money for what you love. And God's saying, I can make this so easy for you. You can have that. I'll help you get that. But if you do this first, then you don't have to eke out an existence. You don't have to be stingy. You don't have to do, be so focused on this thing. And things, I said it before, but I'm amazed at how the gloss goes off of things. You ever experienced that? It's like you get a new car and that was the pinnacle. And then you get in the car and like a week later, there's crumbs on the seats. At least if you're in my car. I'd like to have the no eating rule, but I just want to enjoy my life wherever I am. And it's going to be eating in the car, okay? It is. And so uh, the gloss goes out. That don't mean you're not thankful. I'm very thankful. But it's, it, it takes a couple of weeks and it's not new anymore. Or, or listen to this, you get, you, you get the new house and all of a sudden all you can think about is how those baseboards need to be painted. And how the lighting's no good. And I know, so this, is, this is my story and I don't mean to be ungrateful, it's just that you zero in on the imperfections and it could have been better. And you got this from the, the dealer, but you know, you, you, you should have bought the different table or, hmm, you know, it's dark wood flooring. I wonder how it would look with light wood flooring. And, and you can drive yourself up the wall. Now there is a part of that that is beautiful, progression, enjoying, designing, having fun. But there's also something that would love to attach to that. Yeah. And it will make something that was meant to be joyful for you a burden. And you can't see the beauty. And other people go, what's wrong with you? It looks nice. Yeah, you, you, you want it all done yesterday. It's not go- it doesn't work that way. So you have to watch. You have to go into what God's given you. Just be grateful. Yes, you're going to have more. But rest where you are. Because if you don't, the devil will drive you. And you won't be able to appreciate things the way that you want to appreciate them. You will not. He will take even that bit of joy and he'll steal it from you. Uh, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be what? Added. So you've got a promise from the Lord. Now the enemy will lie to you, tell you that's not true. But the word has told you if you seek him first, his way of doing things, you you are going to be added to. Okay? But I'm talking about some of the stealers. Covetousness, you strike that far from you, okay? There are many people 
that are word confessing and prosperity confessing Christians and they haven't walked into that flow yet because adjustments need to be made. Okay? You want to make sure, and I'll say this, keeping things in place is good and you need to, but if you find, well, let me just read it the way that I wrote it. Covetousness can be a sneaky prosperity stealer because it can come into your life attached to the object of your faith. Let me say it again. Covetousness is a sneaky prosperity stealer because it can, doesn't mean it will, okay? Because it can come into your life attached to the object of your faith, what you're believing for. When you give it a greater place than it should have, that thing that you thought was your prosperity begins to kill your prosperity. They are not bad in their place. They're wonderful in their place. You should have them in their place. But they are when they are moved into God's place. That's all we're saying. First things first. Seek ye first. First. God first. Nothing else is first. Okay? We can ruin our own prosperity simply by turning our affections from God to the thing that we desire. So don't let your prosperity kill your prosperity. It's a funny way to say it, right? Um, a minister tells a story about, you know, well, actually, Dad, Dad Dufresne told this story. He said, there was a wonderful family that came to their church. They were with them for years. And he said, he watched as they increased. You know, they, they were doers of the word. They, be, they were givers, sowers. And they always wanted a family boat. They just wanted a family. They wanted to be able to go out and enjoy. The, it's California. They wanted to enjoy themselves, you know. And so um, God blessed them with a boat that they the story was that they actually couldn't get it themselves. It was like the blessing was supernatural. And so they had this boat that they could go out and water ski and do things. And, um, but what happened over time was they so loved the boat that they stopped coming to church on Sunday mornings. Or if they did, it was sporadic because they, Sunday was the prime time. Because Saturday, of course, is groceries and cleaning the house, right? This is the same thing up where I am. When I come down on Sunday morning, you know how many people I see on their bikes? There's whole schools of bikes uh, with, you know, the professionals, the one, their bike clubs kind of people, right? I'm like, I don't see you on Saturday. Why? Because you're picking up your groceries and you're doing your laundry. I'm teasing you, but you know what? I, you know what? It's like, it's the allotted day. It's like our day. We run, we do the business we got to do to make the bills and whatever all week long. Saturday, we do catch up because we don't always want to do it when we come home, but Sunday's mine, right? And so this family fell into the ditch of not coming properly. I'm not saying they never came, but they, it was noticeable. And so what they would do is they would go out and have parties on their boat, and his daughter loved to water ski. And so, lo and behold, she ends up getting killed in a water skiing accident with this boat. This is not God. God had nothing to do with this. Okay? And it wasn't a, well, I'll show you either, because God doesn't act that way. That's the wrong spirit. And our Father doesn't do that. But what happened was they came out of the protection of doing the Word, of being assembled together. And it's carnal behavior. You know? And so the thing is, the boat that was their prosperity... Some would say, oh, look at that, that boat. They didn't have that boat. The boat had nothing to do with it. It was prospering for them to have that boat. In other words, it's not the boat's fault. 
It's not, and you'll hear people say that all the time. Well, if only the, it's not, it's the heart of the person. And so I'm talking about it today because I know that God is leading us into more. That's right. And this thing will show up because a lot of times it's a demon. Oh dear, let's enjoy the musical part of the service. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I was in Dr. Dufresne's meeting and my iPad was talking away on the front row, so no worries here. And so, um, yeah, so the boat, people will say it's the boat's fault. People are looking to blame. It's just the heart. God is going to bless you. If you do the word, you're going to get blessed, especially in this place where it's preached. And you're going to go out and you're going to do it. Don't allow the devil to crack that door open. He comes in subtle ways. Don't let him touch what's holy. And that way you can continue to enjoy the bigness of God and it'll get bigger and bigger. You'll have more in your hand to give. You'll do things that you've only dreamed of, but nothing touches God being first place. So don't love the things of the world. Enjoy them fully, fully. Believe for them. If you're a person that struggles with things, some, like I said, some people are, we all have different things we come in the world with, okay? We all have to deal with our own hearts. Some people are, they're just prone to be more materialistic. Or there are people that have much, but they're not materialistic. I've met them. They don't really think about saved or unsaved. Then there's other people that it's like they don't even have a lot of money, but you can see that materialistic, they love things. Oh, they live for things. If only I could have that. Or if only, and there's this craving for things. If you have that, my, my suggestion to you is you need to spend a season just in the word. Like take things off your radar. Get your heart solid with loving him first, seeking him first. Sit that straight so that that flow can be right in you. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying we don't have things. I think the church should be first. I do. I think we should be first. But we're, we're first because we don't allow covetousness. We don't allow idolatry of other things to come in. So the rich young ruler is a good example of this. Mark 10, 17 to 27, it says... And Jesus was setting out on a journey, as he was, a man ran up to him and knelt before him, so he's got good manners, and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. What is Jesus saying? Are you calling me God? Is that what you're doing? No man is good. Are you acknowledging my deity? Do you know that I'm God? Do you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And he said, teacher, I've kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, this is what I love, Jesus showed love to him. This is love to him. One thing you lack, go and sell all your positions, po sorry, possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Well, anyone reading this can think like this is a hard saying. This is a hard saying, right? But um, he said, sell all your possessions and give to the poor. He didn't say give all to the poor. What's he trying to do? He sees this man is caught up in covetousness, in idolatry, in a very big way because he's rich and he's used to having these things and he's put all of his trust in these things. And he's a good man. He does the law. But he sees that he's in the grip of this idolatry and he says, free yourself from it. Sell it. Give to the poor. In other words, begin that process of giving. Don't just hoard. Begin that process of the kingdom of giving and come and follow me. And it says, but he was deeply dismayed. He knew that Jesus was the son of God. But he's deeply dismayed. And by these words, and he went away grieving. 
for he was one who owned much property. All he could think about was parting with this property. And Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples said, well, then how shall anyone get into the kingdom of God? And he says, with people, it's impossible, but, but not with God. All things are possible with God. This young ruler needed a heart change. But remember, Jesus said, come and follow me. Come be with me. You want, you want to secure eternal life. Come, I'll show you. I'll, he, he asked him to come with him, to mentor him. And he, had, he didn't say give all to the poor. He said, free yourself. Yes. You've mired yourself in, in, in owning these things. He would not have said that if the man did not love those things and put those things first. You're allowed to have those things. He wants to give you those things. And sometimes I will look at Hollywood and I feel so sorry for them. I'm like, if you give up your riches, if you, if you accept Christ and become a true believer, what they call radical, which is not radical, but normal. Yeah. If you are in, do you know how many things are built as walls against them to getting into the kingdom? Do you know how many things they have to deal with in order to, it's like they have to be dethroned in a sense. I'm not talking because they have money. I'm talking about when you have money, and you are taking positions, and you are a Christian, but you're taking movie roles where you're cussing, or you're fornicating, or you're blowing away 50 men in the field. I'm just saying, listen, people separate those things and say, oh, well, that's just, you know. No, God doesn't do that. God does not do that. You don't act that way. You don't. But they put up with things. They separate career from godliness because in order to survive in this, you know, fishbowl of sharks, they compromise. They do. They compromise all the time. It's very rare. I don't, it's very rare to find someone who, who talks like we talk. You know what I mean? Because you can't, once you're of the spirit, you can't do those things. You can't act them out. You can't be a part of the marketing. You can't do it. And so there's things where I know that they're empty because once you get that much money and you realize you're still empty, it's, it's rough. And Jesus talks about it. God can change the heart. With God, it's possible. But it's hard for the rich to enter into, not because they're rich, but because of the idols in their heart. Yeah. That's why. And if they gain fame and they gain fortune, but they put Christ first, they're fine. But you can't coexist. You can't love money and you can't love God. You can't, you can't love them. You can't be devoted to both of them. One is to follow the other. Oh, the time has gone quickly. Let's go to number two. Small, I got to move boogie here a little bit because I want to get to the good stuff, but what God tells us to do so we can overcome these, these we want to puddle jump over these, okay, and just get them behind us, right? Number two, smallness of heart. This sounds small, it's huge. <laughs> it's huge. Proverbs 30 verse 15 says, the leech, God is so poetic. The leech has two daughters, give and give. Give me, give me, the leech, remember? What does a leech do it? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> you know what a leech does, right? Give and give. Three things are never satisfied. Four, never say enough. So it's never satisfied. Okay? This leech, right? So smallness of heart. I'm, I'm linking it to this. Because if you're always saying, give to me, give to me, or you're saying to your bank account, do you, do you understand? You're trying to extract. You need all the money. You need everything. You need it to give. It's never enough. 
Um, and sometimes it's actually not enough. Like you just don't have enough. So it produces smallness because you're trying to compile enough to get the things that bring you joy or bring your family joy, you know. And so um, I want to talk about smallness of heart, which really is a, it's a stinginess. Now, when I say stinginess, people think of things like Ebenezer Scrooge, the obvious ones, you know, mean to little kids, you know, griping, yeah, you know, um, those kinds of things. But I'm talking about stinginess is where there's an opposite flow, where it's, it's all about someone giving to us and us not releasing back, okay? Because God's kingdom is built on giving. It is. It's built on releasing. It's built on, on giving. And if someone holds back, when God is telling them, um, they're not going to experience and receive his provision because their hearts are too narrow and too small. This kingdom lives within you. This word that's being preached today is for you to enlarge your insides, for you to actually just hear it and go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be small in my heart. I'm going to allow God to do this, to, to do a work in me, right? And we always talk about when God tells you to do something, but I would like to see everyone here get into a flow of just giving because you want to. Just the word says he who gives will be well watered. You'll be drenched. That's what it says. You can give your way, you know, remember, give, press down, good measure, whatever you give, it'll come back to you. Do we believe that? Yes. Yeah, we have to, we believe that. It's just that we got to make sure that there's no prosperity stealers in there that are digging holes in the bag so that it's falling through. Okay. And so this smallness of heart comes in all sizes, all races. All classes. I have some of the wealthiest people I know are the stingiest people I know. And I mean that. And, uh, and then there's others that it's, stinginess is not just if you've got money or not. It's an attitude of the heart. And a poor person does not remain poor because of their circumstances, but because they're poor in spirit. That's why. And they fail to understand the laws of his kingdom. First Samuel 2.8 says he raises up the poor from the dust... He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make him sit with princes and to inherit a seat of honor. I love that. You know, you, you can't allow pressure to constrict you on the inside and make you small because it will be impossible for God to enlarge you. You must only respond to God. Follow God, and if he tells you to lighten up, which there's seasons for that, then do so. But otherwise, stand your ground and ignore the devil's pressure because you're doing the word. Second Corinthians 4, 8 says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. So afflicted, I said, Paul said this because if you see everything that he lists, he lists the alternate. So he says, we're afflicted, but we're not crushed. We can feel it. We're not crushed. You know, we're perplexed, but we're not despairing. Like it's, it's kind of hit us, but we're like, we're fine. We're not despairing at all. And if you go down through, there's more. There's more in those references. But everything that Paul lists, it's like listing the natural and then the spirit. Natural spirit. And he means it. And so he's saying that when we feel, I'm going to apply this to finances today, but it applies to everything. If we're afflicted, but we're not crushed, we're perplexed, we're not driven to despair. Because afflicted means to compress and crushed means a narrow place. And so Paul is saying that the pressure is great on every side, but it's not making us smaller. 
and holding us back. You don't retreat from the truth of the word because you hit a circumstance, okay? Paul wouldn't allow the enemy to make him small on the inside and therefore he could not stop him. This is so critical for our Christian walk. We don't back up at all, ever. We overcome, we push through, we break through, right? Don't adapt, advance. We will make necessary changes to follow God's leading, but that's it. If we bought something we shouldn't have bought, well, we just, okay, I got that wrong, we get rid of it and move forward, right? Number three, prosperity stealer, is strife. This one, so we've talked about covetousness, smallness of heart. Smallness of heart, God will deal with you. So that's a frequent one. Frequent, frequent, frequent. Don't buy that cut of meat, buy that cut of meat. Oh, I'm not used to that. I want you to follow your prosperity. Okay, I will. And he'll start you there. Something as small as that. Okay, and I've said it many times, but it bears repeating. He will, I'm going on vacation, but I'm not going to do the economy one this time. I'm going to go a little bit more. That's how he's developed us. I never think about that. I never think about money. And there's lots of things that I'd like to pay for that the money's not there in the account. But I just, he's taking me into a wealthier place. But I, I got to get there before I get there. Yes. Developing your insides, right? Whenever I make a mistake or buy something and I feel like, oh, I will hear him say, I've heard him say it over and over again. And you can chafe at this if you want to, but I'm just telling you, he said this to me. This is a fact. He said this to me. If you're rich, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Now, he doesn't want me to keep making mistakes. Like there was something that I was into, I looked into, and it was about $2,500. Probably now I don't know if I would do that or not. But he said to me, he said, you don't have to fret. Next time ask me. But I made you rich so you don't have to choke over it. Right. It's not the end of all finances. It's not the end of all things. Learn, look, check with me next time because I don't want you stopping and starting. But I made you rich so you don't have to worry about it. Okay. All right. I learned. I don't have to. You ever buy something you just get this sick feeling like, oh. Or it could be a couple hundred dollars and you just beat yourself over the head because you're like, oh, I didn't need that or, oh, I shouldn't have bought that. If he made you rich, then you don't have to enter into that grind. It's important. It's important what I'm saying because you will face this frequently. Matthew 5, 38, 42, this is about strife. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. I hated this verse for many years. (laughs) And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him, forces you. Forces you, yeah. Go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So Jesus seems very passive in this scripture. This seems, this seems like such passive suggestion from Jesus when like a couple chapters later, he's making the whip and turning over the, seriously, he's making the whip and he's turning over the, the tables in the, uh, in the temple. So why is he so passive? What is he saying? Okay, so here's what he's saying. And I've said it before, but bears repeating. 
You can't let someone, oppression and, and pressure that's coming against you, whether it's physical, whether it's uh, emotional, whether someone is trying to steal things from you, you cannot let that drag you into a knockdown fight. It is natural response that if someone slaps you, you want to slap them back harder. Right? That's the truth, right? I tell you, that's the truth. Yeah. And if someone takes your coat, you know, you get a, how dare you? It, it ruffles my feathers. I can't believe someone would steal something from me. You know what I mean? It just gets your back up. But what he's saying is, if you engage, if you engage in that fight, now what's happened is you've made yourself small on the inside. See, that person that's doing these things could be a lawsuit, could be, if you begin that fight in the natural, what happens is you've let them get inside. You've brought the fight inside your spirit. You've brought the fight into your mind and God does not allow it. He does not allow it. There are times, yes, you can stand up for yourself and you can, you can do certain things, but if you get into the fight, God will call you off out of that fight. Listen, there are couples that get divorced, yeah. and, uh, and so, uh, divorce is a very difficult thing. But if you're a believer and you're sitting in this church, you can't get into the fight. You've got to let God be your defender. You can do the legal things. Do the legal things. Don't be a doormat. But you can't do the fight here. If you do, you've just engaged a prosperity killer. Yeah. That fight that's on the inside of you, that bickering, that fussing, that back and forth, that grind, that resentment. Because yeah. le- like, you're right. I'm, talk- I'm assuming you're right. You understand? Even if you're right, if you let, this person was right. They didn't do the slapping. They didn't do the stealing. Someone has done them wrong. If someone does you wrong, Jesus says, just give them, take your coat, just give them the, give them the coat. It forces you, you're forced to do something, whether it's a duress or pressure, and you have to go to a mile, you didn't want to go, just release yourself and go two miles. Yeah. What is that flow? It's a flow of power. Yes. Why is he saying that? Because nothing has to get inside of you. Yes. So you don't have to fight. Yes. He will fight. Yes. And he will, I say this with love, but he will, he's good at avenging the situation. Yes. The situation, he's good at avenging it. You will come out on top, but if you start the fight, yeah. now please, I'm going to clarify something. There may be times in your life where you legally have to do something. Sure. Yeah. Just for justice sake, you just, something's being done, family or this, that worse. Someone is stepping bounds and that you can't, they won't reason. Mm-hmm. By all means, do what you need to do, but do not bring the fight in here. God won't allow it. Strife, it will kill your finances, but far above your finances. It will kill your prosperity. You can't afford it. It's too expensive. Okay? The only way someone can take, can truly take advantage of you, it might look like they're getting away with something, they're not, is if they get inside of you where your heart is. A normal response, I already said that, we close our own heart. And if our own heart is closed, we cannot receive from God. The reason we give our cloak or turn our cheek is to keep our heart open this way. Forget them. This way. Okay? If we don't purposefully take this action, it will close up during times of stress and conflict. And then you are, you're caught. you got to do it this world's way. And you'd be surprised. You can be a real 
sweet person and you can get bitter overnight. You'll see darkness come up out of your soul you didn't even know was there because you're a good Christian. You want to engage in a fight? A fight is flesh. A fight is flesh and you're asking. The devil's coming with his scissors. He's cutting your prosperity from you. But if you do the word, see this is doing the word because the flesh doesn't want to do those things. But when you get big on the inside, you wouldn't touch that with a 10 foot pole. You don't fight with other ministers if you're in the ministry. If someone steals something, look, okay, look at this. Uh, look at this, okay. So look at Abraham and Lot, yeah. right? I mean, I'm, I don't know if he loved his uncle or not, but he was so disrespectful by taking the better part. Here's Abraham saying, we shouldn't fight, you go. So he basically did it nicely, but he got rid of him. You go, because we can't afford this, right? He kicks him out. But not, it's not worded that way, but... Look at the backstory. He's willing to part. We're not fighting lot. Pick the land, whatever you're going to pick, you can have it. Okay? And so um, he does, but it's so disrespectful. And you see the result. Because as soon as I'm totally messing up, messing up my notes here, because this is in the part where you go forward, but I'll reference it gently later. But when Lot leaves, he gets rid of his herds, he goes to Sodom, right? And nothing in his life goes right after that. It goes desperately wrong. And God calls him, uh, it vexed Lot's righteous soul to live in Sodom. So here's a person that lived in a place, it actually vexed him. He did not agree with everything that was going on, but he picked the wrong location. He left his uncle, okay? He married the wrong wife. And his daughters had no moral compass whatsoever in them, fearful or not, that the world was ending. You don't do that. And so with, with Lot... Um, he just, he, if he had stayed with his uncle, if he hadn't allowed goods to pull him away, he would have been okay. You know what I mean? He would have been fine. So that was probably my next part. Okay. So God, when, when God came on the scene after Lot left, he started speaking and this is what he said. He said, um, the Lord said to Abraham after Lot had separated from him, Genesis 13, 14 to 17, lift up your eyes. Because he's left with the worst part of the land. So this is the same thing that I just read you about if someone slaps you across the cheek, let it go. Abraham has let it go. This rude behavior, this taking of the goodly land. So Abraham's land doesn't look as good as Lot's. It looks like an apparent loss, right? And he says, lift up your eyes. And look from the place where you are, northward and southward, eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give you, and to your offspring forever. (laughs) I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth. This is to a man who didn't have children. Okay? So that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. Arise, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So pay whatever it costs to get rid of strife or you will pay with everything later because Lot sure did. He let that strife separate him from his uncle and Abraham didn't. And look at the opposing sides. You have a living example of what happens when we allow strife to come in, okay? And I'll finish up with just this real quick. Let this go into your heart today. Let's look at God's system for prosperity. The first one is generosity because it produces a largeness of heart on the inside, okay? When everything, when you start desiring to prosper God's way, everything in the world system is gonna oppose you. Your mind is gonna oppose you. The devil will give you seasons where there doesn't seem to be enough before you break out. If you build, dig a well, the, the, they'll come and try to fill up that well. 
This is normal because you have, Pastor Nancy said this, and don't be afraid of this, but she said, if you've got two people that have businesses, one is a Christian and one's not, she said, the one that's Christian, that's walking in the word, he'll have more opposition. Doesn't mean he'll have less prosperity, but he'll have more because the devil wants to shut that down more because we're covenant children of God. You can, you can have things come against you, but you totally overcome it. You don't have to be afraid, right? Okay. Isaiah 54 verse two says, enlarge the place of your tent. Let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. The only way for God to increase us is to stretch us and he will stretch our sowing. He will stretch our giving. Many say they want to increase, but they refuse the stretching that comes with it. You have to embrace it. You have to go on that journey with God and you'll never regret it. Amen. You'll never regret it. Giving beyond your means. Okay, 2 Corinthians 8, 2 to 4. This is spirit-led, of course, okay? Spirit-led. There are things that God sometimes may ask you. And when he does, just obey him. Just take courage and do it because you'll be blessed. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy. See, it was alive on the inside of them. They understood it. There was revelation. And the depth of poverty together of overflowed and wealth of lavish generosity on their part. For as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability. And they did it voluntarily. I love this. Begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship. See, they understand. Hear those words? Favor and the fellowship of contributing in this administration for the relief and support of the saints in Jerusalem. Joy and poverty aren't normally found together. But for the faith person, it's a perfect mix. Why? Why do you mix poverty with joy? Because you get wealth. Let me say that again. What do you get when you mix poverty with the joy of giving? Wealth. When poverty is responded to with faith-filled, that's key. Just believe, like a child. Just like a child. With faith-filled expressions of joy, when poverty is responded to in your life, with faith-filled expressions of joy, and I have seen it in this congregation over and over and over again. I've seen you increase. The anointing flows through those expressions, turning poverty into wealth. What an amazing thing that we get to turn poverty into wealth. Amen. Wow. Jesus did that at the, the, the marriage. Remember? They were too poor to have the amount of wine that they needed. I'm not saying they were poverty stricken. I'm just saying they didn't have enough. And Jesus comes in and turns the water into wine because they filled the pots. That was their, that was their part. If they didn't fill the pots, we would not be reading about this. Unless he was saying it in the negative, that they wouldn't listen to him. Right? Why would anyone rejoice in the midst of lack and poverty? Because they believe God has turned the situation around. If you want God's power to turn your situation around, you must rejoice giving expression to your faith. This is such good eating this morning. This is so good. This is so good. This is rich. This is the richness of the word. This is so good. It just stirs me. It stirs me because I know what's ahead and I get to participate. I'm so excited. Extravagance isn't the normal practice of poor people, but these believers weren't truly poor. Now people, this is where people shut off. This is where they shut off and go, yeah, they were. 
They were. You, you're just trying to drive home a point. No, the poverty was not in them. They were coming out. You can't give in deep poverty with rejoicing and not turn it into a wealthy place. That's why Paul talked about it so much, because he knew it was the answer. Remember, he says, I desire a gift. Well, no, I, say, I don't desire a gift for my benefit, but for the yours. That's what he says, for yours. Faithful often requires action that looks irresponsible. That's true. That's true. When he tells you something, you might have to go against some naysayers. <laughs> but do it anyway. <laughs> when God's power is allowed to flow, great floods of finances will flow as well. They did that in the Old Testament with the, with the, the, um, the tabernacle. Remember, they were building it. And they had to tell the people to stop bringing all the goods. That was a movement of God. That was a move of God in them. They wanted to be a part of it. The liberal soul... Okay, Proverbs 11, 24 to 25, and I'll be done in just a couple minutes. It says, I love this. Just listen to this. This will free you if you listen to what it says. Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. See what he's saying? Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and whoever waters will himself be watered, and that is a promise. Here's another translation of the same verse. Get freely, no, sorry, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I think that's so wonderful that you can live a life turned outward instead of inward. Full of faith instead of fear. Looking at your own means. So I have a question for you today, and it's what realm will you choose? What realm? You only need to hear, and we've preached it for many, many years, but you only need to hear this one time for it to turn your life around. Now, we get the benefit of hearing things over and over again, but if you believe it and you are a doer of the word, you can give yourself into a totally different category for your life, for your good. Amen? Remember, the kingdom of God has no limits. This realm has nothing but limits. If you want to be as rich as he's made you, you can give your way there. And I'll end with this. Prosperity um, haters will accuse ministers and everybody else of trying to take money from people. And the truth is, is that if you're a minister or, or if you're just, you slander the gospel, because that's what you're doing, it's worse for you to lie about the truth. You're, the onus is on people that are saying that he's not there to make us prosperous, that he's not trying to give us uh, the blessing. He's already given it. But they, they look at things naturally. And that is where, remember what we read in Romans 8, the flesh and the spirit, they're at war together and they always will be. So until our flesh is in subjection to our spirit, we're not going to experience that flow because you can't listen to the word. You can't respond to the word if all you do is run it through your mind or you run it through what you have. God says whatever is in your hand now becomes seed. And so if you just take courage, begin to give, as God puts it on your heart, you'll develop that lifestyle. And just watch what God will do. Amen. Just watch the bigness. Yes. I dare say we've seen nothing yet. Yes. 
and as good as he's been to us, but he is working with the smallness in us. He's trying to break it open. And some people think, listen, I, I've all my life thought the, the best thing in the world would be to get degrees and a doctorate. I still think that's amazing. I still think I hide that in, I hold that in high esteem, maybe more than a lot of people do. I, I value it greatly. I just think it improves your life every way you look at it, financially and just your knowledge base. I just love it. I love education. But God made this system more simple than that. Now, if he's told you to go do something and you don't, then you're not being a doer of the word because he's speaking to you and that's his word to you. But what I mean to say is he's not telling you to do this, this, and this necessarily. What he's saying to his body is, I've made you something. Now, through the tithes and offerings and giving, I'm going to increase you and increase you. I mean, Craig and I did not go out and get three degrees in order to increase we had nothing. We had nothing. We had old furniture. We didn't even buy. We had one car that we shared. And I just knew that we had to do, we had to increase, we had to give. Yeah. We had to. Yeah. And we did. And I didn't stop in the middle. And that, if that's God's path for someone, I'm all for it. I'm just telling you about me. Yeah. Right. And I didn't go and get degrees. I didn't go and do this, but God's been talking to me about the future and the things that we're going to do. And he's been, as we started going and as we started sowing and being obedient, he also said this, he said, as you do what I tell you to do with the church, that's our arena. As I, as, if I tell you to do something, your prosperity is directly linked. And he's also told us that our prosperity is directly linked as a church with Pastor Nancy yes. following. As she increases, we increase if we're obedient. So there's, there's anointings that come down. Yeah. And if your position, oh, if your position, you have the right to all that comes down. It's biblical. Right. It is. That anointing comes down when you're positioned. But the carnal mind will say there's, that's not true. And they're trying to take our money from us. So they have to live small, very small. But not this church. This church is going to do exploits for God. And God, he will always outgive you always outgive you. He's nothing but a blessing and we don't want assignments left down there and not picked up because we didn't listen to what he's calling us to do. We want to pick them up and be filled with the word. Father, I thank you for this congregation. We love them dearly, Lord. I thank you for the education of the spirit. Father, words, communication is overrated. The words have to land in our spirit. We have to ponder them. We have to decide things. We have to resist other things. And we have to break forth. But Lord, I just thank you for the growth you've already done in them. They are a generous people. We see it all the time. But Father, today, I pray that you would show them to take inventory if there's covetousness or a tendency towards that. If there's strife and they're embroiling themselves in things they should never touch. Father, if there's smallness of heart, I pray that they would let you lead them. That's not for them. For them, there's a largeness of heart, and there's a generosity, and there's a liberal giving, and a liberalness of soul, a bigness of soul. And Father, and sometimes you'll even ask us to give things that don't make sense. Sometimes there are those times. But we relish them all, and we thank you for the growing. We will not choke over the giving, Lord. We will allow you to enlarge us on the inside 
You're great and you're mighty. You're amazing. Your heart toward us is amazing. You've been putting the word in us for years. Father, I thank you. You will break us forth into a wealthy place. You have that in store for us, Lord. You've been laying the foundation, the basement of this church for a long time. You have been painstaking in the messages, in the mantle, talking about finances, protecting the holy covenant of tithing and giving. And the beautiful ministers and my husband who labors, who loves this church, who's been faithful. And Father, you're faithful to them. You won't fail them. Pray that you'd fill them with faith today. That seed of heaven, that seed of the Spirit, that's what faith is. Enlarge them, Lord. Bless them. Bless their socks off, Lord God. That they would come into a large place that the, 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 the stinginess, the covetousness of this realm, Lord, that it wouldn't even touch them. It'd be so far removed from them. Lord, I thank you for them. I thank you for the mighty harvests for each one of them, all their families, all their children. And Lord, when they sacrifice for you and it's a pleasant odor that comes up into your nostrils, I thank you, Lord, that it makes you happy, Father, and that you will make them happy. You will show them the joy of walking in the Spirit when it comes to prosperity and giving. Deliver them, Lord, from this system. Deliver them from fear and bondage and slavery. And set them free, Lord, in their finances. Give them businesses. Give them good lands, assets, prime real estate. Give them connections and divine favor and position. And you will, Lord. It just can't come before you. So we seek you first today. We love you first. We don't love the things. We enjoy them to the full. And we ask for them. But we love you. And what we have belongs to you. And if you require it of us, we give it. Because we know it's a steady stream coming from your throne. And all oh, the joy of living above the economic system of this world, Lord. To live in partnership with you, walking one with you, doing exploits with you. You are magnificent. And we're just at the door. Lord, I ask that we would qualify. I ask, Lord, that all hindrances, we would slay them. Father, we would be generous in all areas of our life, Lord. Sure, self-assured and confident that we have walked this path with you, Lord God, and you will never let us go. You will never let us fall. We can trust you. You're the best bank in the world. You're the best investment. You pay the best dividends, Lord. We love you. We thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Love you.